that that was the secret that I was missing. That was the secret sauce. You know how they use Worcestershire sauce, whatever the heck that stupid sauce is, and <laughs> like your again. burger sauce, oh, what's, Worc- what's sauce? Worcester sauce, Worcestershire. Compression is your Worcestershire, whatever the heck the stupid sauce is in in your drums. That's that's how you get good drum sound. You're listening to the GWNL podcast, guys with no lives talking about audio. And welcome to episode three with Audio Pro Studio Bros and Nobody Speaks in Prose. This week is compression and dynamics. It's a professor stuff, you know, as uh, Avicii used to say. Anyways, um, so yeah, we're covering dynamics this week. It's episode three. We've covered equalization last week and the prior week was basics of mixing. And our first topic is what is dynamics or dynamic compression or dynamic processing? Anybody want to take a stab at that? Do you want me to take a stab at it? Let's 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 see. Well, for, yeah. first, first things first. If we talk about like just compression, compression is a type of dynamic processing where generally you try to reduce the dynamic range of your signal or mess with the dynamic range. Yeah, compressor reduces it. So yeah, dynamics processors are anything that messes with the amplitude of a signal. So any processor that processes the dynamics, the amplitude, the minimum and the maximum Maximum. volume or amplitude of said sound waves. It's really neat. Well, types of uh, dynamic processors would be like expander, gate, compression, limiter. And then there's, there's, yeah, there's variations on that, like the dynamic EQ and multiband compressor and transient designers, et cetera, et cetera. So there's the two, the those those four there's two categories so an expander and a gate it's all about the threshold saying when the signal goes the amplitude goes below that threshold we're going to either turn the signal down or turn it off so an expander turns it down so it expands the dynamic range and a gate turns it all the way off so it closes the gate on it and so they also call it a noise gate right because yep. Um, it turns off the, you know, when the signal goes below the level, that gets turned off. And that's what live sound use gates all the time to help avoid feedback, um, get yeah. mics to turn off when you're not using them. And then the other two are the compressor and the limiter, and they're kind of the opposite. When the signal goes over the threshold, it starts to turn the signal down. And a compressor will just turn it down a little bit, let it still go over the threshold some, whereas a limiter is an a compressor on steroids and so it, as soon as the the signal gets to the threshold it just kind of gets turned down enough so it just stops so is that compression is great yeah, i like com- it compression is the most yeah. commonly used one of all of them so it's i would also submit that compression is also one of the hardest to learn to hear like other things it- like eq it's a more drastic change it's something that's more noticeable or more like present in that manner compression when used appropriately can be a drastic and in in a lot of ways bad manner of dealing with situations but it's not as easy to hear until you overdo it i feel like a lot of the time yeah i can i can agree with that um you know it's, it's easy to hear a gate hear what the, what a gate's doing but as far as like hearing what a compression what what a compressor is doing it's a little bit more difficult to understand yeah i've I've recently had like a whole like eye-opening like i've i've seen god experience with compressors and it's like changed the way that i've mixed yeah yeah my come to jesus moment about (laughs) compression 
Um, I like, I was having some issues on a mix that I was working on and, and I found ways that I could use the compressor to bring out, I was able to like bring good. out stuff that like I wasn't able to bring out before. I will also, yeah, I think there are side effects that we should probably discuss about what happens when you compress the signal. Like the simplicity of it is when you stop the top of the loudness thing, if you make the loudest thing not as loud as it is, it saturates the sound of the thing. This is, this is how you get some things like that's kind of how a saturator works some saturators it depends but like you're now shrinking the total dynamic um thing and it, it this is where you get things like oh it beefs up the sound or it thickens it up that's how a lot of people like that's how you get a really poppy at least for me i've learned from compression that's how you get a good drum sound that's how you get good toms that's how you get good snare and kick yeah. like well, good compression com compression is the sound of popular music yes i think that's important to say yeah the loudness wars, um, the only thing that we lost in the loudness wars was dynamics. <laughs> that was the casualty. Yeah, the casualty was dynamics. So, is, that, is that really a bad thing? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think so, in certain uh, contexts, yes. And that, that's true. That's another topic that we want to talk about later on the, the, the loudness, loudness wars, wars too. And I think the other fundamental concept here mm -hmm. is that um, it sounds backwards to think that when you turn down the signal with what's a, is what a compressor is doing, that you're actually going to make it sound louder. But by turning down the peaks and like you said, like Joe said, um, you decrease the dynamic range. Now you can just turn that whole thing up, and right. and now your average volume is is higher. Your average amplitude and and our ears hear in averages, so it sounds louder to us, even though the peak level. It's not it's any high. Psychoacoustics. Psycho beautiful. Beautiful thing. ASMR is that is that really a part of psychoacoustics? Yeah, like the way you perceive it as louder. It's loudness. it's like when you pan something to the side, it's easier for your brain to process that sound. And it sounds louder than it is because it's it's in a different like spectrum left to right. That's that's a psychoacoustic thing that you use. That's why panning kind of like helps with stereo separation. That's why stereo separation exists. But that's a whole other topic. Compression, those same things, psychoacoustics. But yeah, just understanding how we always look at things with peak meters. And yeah. our brains don't hear that way. Our ears <laughs> hear in averages, which is more like VU meters. So it's taking right. three seconds of information and averaging it together. And so if it's all three seconds are like really, really loud, then it's going to sound really, really loud. But so like the yeah, three go seconds go loud and then soft and loud and soft. We're going to hear it as like medium loud sort of thing. Huh. So it's just like, it's, it's important to understand how our brains and our ears receive that inf that sound information. Compression is this magical thing because our ears hear sound on averages. So, right. And compression is used like in live sound. Like I've definitely used it to like put people in boxes. Like guitarist doesn't want to turn down. Okay. Well, you get an infinity ratio and have fun <laughs> which, with that brick wall, sucker. Which like then becomes a limiter. Yeah. Which then right, becomes yeah. a limiter. Yeah. It's because they have forced my hand. They didn't want to listen to me. They didn't want to balance out their gain. So now I will balance out their gain for them. Punk. <laughs> 
Yes. No, the true um, power of an audio engineer is yeah, right. the use of the compressor. Don't play that game. With me. <laughs> but but realistically, all that happens in that instance is they ruin the artist. They ruin the artism that could be there. When when you have to, sorry, in a live sound situation, when you have to use compression in a way to like mitigate problems, it prevents you from actually mixing better. And that's the thing that you have to kind of like ba- like balance out. Like how aggressive am I am with that? Like I don't want to ruin the musicality of the situation, but I have to manage this because people who do not balance their gain on a stage can pop speakers. They can blow things up. They can cause problems. People unplugging things at the wrong time. Compressors help to alleviate that in a live sound situation and they can like minimize and mitigate a lot of problems that way. Um, I think it comes down to like, you know, you, you got to solve your problems first. And then after that, you can do artistic things. At least that, that's kind of like my mentality with mixing in general, whether it's live sound or in the studio. Yeah. And it's the same thing. When you're using a compressor, generally, you're trying to solve some issues first before you do any sort of artistic thing. Right. And and I agree with that. Like, that's kind of how I work because it's the nature of how you have to work in that instance. Um, yeah. But you, with live sound, you have a time component. And sometimes you don't have the time because they have created such a long laundry list of problems that you're you don't just have the time to, to do that artistic. Yeah. You're part, like, yeah. you're going to get a mix and it's... Eh. It is Anyways, what it is. solving problems, yeah. yeah. So I kind of skipped around a little bit. Um, ben, do you want to hit us with the history of <laughs> audio compression and dynamic compression, or if Brian wants to take this one? Basically, what I know of the history of um, compression, at least what I think that I know, I don't know if this is correct, so you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, basically, it was created for a radio. It was originally created for like broadcast, yep. because if they would if they would reach a certain level, it would... It bleeds into the other bands. Oh, okay. If you're That's a what, because, what is it? AM, right? It was dealing with like yeah, it was AM, AM frequencies. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if you're like at yeah, AM like 87 or something like 87.5, right. if you get too loud, it'll bleed into 87.6 and 87.4. So can I take a moment huh. to explain that? Um because yeah. like AM, AM radio versus FM radio. So I read this on Reddit and it is the oh, best no. description of like how <laughs> FM versus AM works. He's like, you are in one neighborhood and your friends in the next neighborhood over. And you realize that you can send like a Morse code message by changing how loud you yell into the next neighborhood. So you go ah, 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 ah like that. And then you do like that as a Morse code. So like, uh, ah, la, la, and, and you're still yelling, right? But you're changing how loud you're yelling in a specific mat- pattern to create Morse code, right? And so your friend does really good. But the problem is he kind of loses you when you're not yelling super loud. And he doesn't know. He thinks that you're still yelling or whatever. So it creates problems with translating it over. So you realize that if you do you yell at a constant loud volume and you go, ah, and you're changing the, like the pitch. It's a lot easier to understand and like understand the Morse code signal that's being sent. FM is frequency modulation. AM is amplitude modulation, i.e. amplitude modulation is changing how loud and quiet you are. So compressors used in this instance help to like create consistent signals that can be transmitted over long distances. Because now instead of having amplitudes or volume levels that are changing so drastically to jump into other bands, it's minimizing that, mitigating it, which still maintains the integrity of the signal. So you can still understand what's being said, but you're not going to bleed into other frequencies. 
which is like the whole point with AM. FM, it's not so much an issue because you're dealing with a different pitch and you have certain other leniences with that. And but you still have like if the amplitude gets too great in FM, right. it will bleed into the other bands. And there's, Precisely. I mean, there's FCC, <laughs> you know, like fines. It's like every time it bleeds into, if it, if it peaks over it, it's like $3,000 every time it peaks. So like, wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have like somebody just sitting Holy there like, oh, they're they're like, just like you had thirty two peaks, so that's ninety six thousand dollars. You know, yeah, right. gosh. <laughs> well, but you can get special permits to I, I know this because I, I, I had some friends that did you can get special permits to um to actually use high powered antennas. The issue that you have is you're stepping on you're stepping into other frequencies like emergency broadcast frequencies and that's why the fines are so hefty. That's why a lot of that stuff is so crazy is you're stepping into like potentially emergency broadcast frequencies, TV channels, news channels, that's another big one. Um and so you can actually get like licenses to do that, but you then have to clear it with like the FCC for that specific location, for that specific event and that venue and like it's it's doable and coming back to the topic yeah. of, of d- dynamic like, dynamic range yeah. tangent <laughs> tangent uh. joe so like as brian was saying it's true the first the first uh, development of compressors or dynamics processors was for radio so okay and then maybe we should talk about the different types of compressors that there are so like i believe that that first one that was created was a tube based compressor um, later they developed right. solid, solid state or FET compressors. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you have VCA compression compressors. Yeah. There's a handful Ooh. of ones that, so there's optical compressors, which is LA two way. Yeah. Which is the most yeah. interesting thing, um, to discuss how it works. It's super mm-hmm. cool because basically the signal that's coming in feeds, uh, a light and every time the amplitude changes of the signal the light gets brighter or dimmer and then they have an optical cell cell that senses the light's brightness and so the optical cell is is what is the is the turning down mechanism so as the light gets brighter it triggers that optical cell which then turns the signal down so that's essentially what uses the like attack what controls the attack yeah is the then- is the relationship between the optical light that's going off and the optical cell that's receiving it and how they, how quickly that happens, you know? Um, yeah. And then yeah. there's the VCA, you know, deals with a voltage control amplifier. I like VCA. Um, whereas like, uh, like the tube is just like a regular amplifier and it's, it's all just about how it's detecting when you go over the threshold and then putting putting some attenuation Down. on it whenever it goes. Like another way it's been described to me as an automatic turndowner. And so it's like if you think of just somebody with a super fast reflexes on a fader, just turning it down every time it gets too loud. That's what it's and so the, the, all the technology was like, how can we take analog circuitry and have it automatically turn down stuff really quick? And so they came Make up with our a handful easier. of ideas, you know. Yeah. And none of so, them work perfectly, which they all have different characteristics because of that. Yeah. So then let me ask this question. I think that's a great tie-in to something else. So like we've talked about optical, we've talked about VCA, we've talked about other compre- like solid-state compression. Um, there's the 1176, which is a common compressor, and there are 76-style compressors. You're going to find plugins that are designed after the 1176 by DBX. You're going to find LA-2As, LA-3As. <laughs> so 
I think these are important to cover and to bring up. Like, yeah. like the LA-2A is an optical style compressor, right? Should we take it back a, a mm-hmm. step? Because we haven't explained the different, like, the different parameters to, to control on a compressor. Oh, yeah. So let's finish that up and then let's talk about the different compressors. Like, just bring up the names, you know? Yeah, so as far as, like, things to, con- to control on a compressor, generally you'll have four basic um, controls. You'll have a threshold, which is when the um, the point at which the compressor, compressor will be work. triggered. And then yes. you have the you have the attack, which is how fast the compressor will work. You have the release, which is how how fast or slow after the com- compressor is the signals below the threshold that'll stop working. And then what's the fourth thing that I'm thinking of? A ratio. Ratio. ratio that's ratio. what I was thinking. Of. Ratio. That's very yeah. And then you have the ratio. How aggressive your uh, comp- compressor will work so if you have like a four to one ratio for every four decibels above the threshold only one decibel will be allowed above that threshold blah blah louder blah blah less louder (laughs) exactly i'm horrible at the math and they can both attest to this because there were so many times in like classes where i'd be like wait they're like all right so if it comes in at like 21 db and it's a four to one in the thresholds i'm like huh (laughs) i'm still bad i still can't do the blah 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 math math, blah blah Yeah. Louder, the, not as loud on the out. Okay. Yeah, the, um, the math doesn't matter as much. Anyway, um, it does. But yeah, the higher yeah. ratio, the more aggressive. The lower ratio, the ratio. The less, like, and there's some plugins that really show it well. Like the one to one ratio. If you think about it, it just means that it's one. the The ratio is between the input and the output. And so, if the input is one, then the output's going to be one. If you're so, familiar with like building models. A one-to-one scale model is going to be exactly the same size. And the bigger yeah. the number, the smaller the thing. It's it's inverse. They call, again, inverse relationships. Ah, audio yeah. inverse relationships. Woo. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's the input's yeah. 4 dB over the threshold, the output's going to be 1 dB over the threshold. And and 10 to 1 is where you start to get into limiting. limiting. So 10 to 1 is really called soft limiting. And then you got 100 to 1 and infinity to 1. Which and the reason have- it's infinity to one is because everything is a logarithm. <laughs> Welcome to audio. And that's, yeah, we hear in logarithmic. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so those yeah. are the main controls and they, they apply to, to all of the dynamics oh. processors, not just. Yeah. Now there are some dynamics processors that have more simplified um, parameters on them. There are some that only give you an input and an output adjustment. And they have like set knobs for each ratio. Like you can't, so, there are some that it's a dial and you can choose like a specific thing, but there so are others where it's like one to one, to one two to one, three to one, four to one, five to one. Anyways, go on. Yeah. Brian. So, so if you uh, like in that case, if you look at the example of like an 1176 compressor, there's not a threshold on it. It has a fixed threshold. And the way to change the amount of compression is by adjusting your input and your output knobs. Yeah. And then you've got the LA2A. Which the real the relationship between the light and the optical cell is really what defines that the, um, the 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 attack and release and the ratio all of that. So all you have in there is an input gain and a peak reduction knob. Um, so it's like yeah. really dynamic to the controls of the compressor, and then it reacts differently to the content that's coming into it. Um, and then of course you have digital compressors that, and Dynamax processors that we've created with ones and zeros 
that can control all of these features. And you're just saying, yeah, when it gets to this point, I'm going to turn it down, you know, and I want it to act this fast and, and release this, you know, attack. They're this very scientific. They're surgical yeah. even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I do want to say this. There are some digital compressors that are digital in the sense that, so some compressors like the old analog ones, when the, when the threshold would trigger the compression, it wouldn't happen instantly. It would close and it would create a different type of sound than a digital compressor, which is just imagine a mountain and just chop off the, the peak of that mountain. That's how a lot of digital compression is perceived to work. These days with modern algorithms and modern design, a lot of those compressors do function a lot more like the analog counterparts that they were designed after. So to some extent, yeah, yeah like there's, sorry, there's a hot argument out there whether analog gear is super important or not. Yes and no. And this is kind of where I don't want to get into that. That's a whole nother argument, but just realize that... <laughs> that a lot of the modern digital plugins are very good and very good at imitating the old analog plugins. And you can save yourself a lot of money by not buying like analog gear, like some crazy gearheads who own like, you know, a million dollar sounds, you know, studio. They're like, oh, unless you have the classic 1176 written by DBX, you're not getting the actual 76 sound. There are it's people not, who do not that. It's not, it's not DBX. It's not DBX. The 160. I don't even DBX. care. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, the 160. Whatever. DBX. I don't even like compressors anyway. <laughs> Why do we even have this episode? I hate compression. I don't, I don't, I don't use compression. I just, Automate yeah. the, I just automate the volume fader throughout all, every single track. Yeah, I just yeah. have a really fast finger that turns it. I just <laughs> have all my fingers on all 32 tracks when they're when I'm mixing live. I don't I, actually use compression. I just put Waves Vocal Rider on every single yeah, track. That's basically. You guys should have stopped me earlier. Now you, now we're going to have to input in like um who who did the 1176 then? Um Smart Guy? Um, yeah. Not real easy. Not, not Universal Audio. Well, Universal Audio does the reissue of it. But yeah. um, shoot, the original was it Teletronics? Yeah, no, Teletronics. Teletronics the, is the, the LA two A. LA two A. And uh, I can't remember. I'll find it. I'll is find it your? Yeah, you bet. Your, your, it's Yuri. Yuri. U R E I. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know how to say that. Yeah. Seventy sixes are really nice on drums, by the way. Yeah. So um. Yeah. Depending on the like kind of compressor or like depending on the use that you want to use, maybe a reason to use a particular compressor over another. For example, on drums, because an 1176 has, is a, a FET compressor, it may be better to use that on drums because the drum transient is such a like quick attack that to catch that an 1176 or a DBX 160 is really good for those things. Whereas an LA-2A you may not want to use on a snare. It's but a it's little great, slow. It's great on a vocal or an acoustic guitar or something or lead or something, um, which yeah. LA-2As are awesome on lead vocal, you know. Well, let's let's not get too... I think it's important <laughs> not to get Come too on, complex yeah. because this is the problem is everybody's like, oh, well, I need an, 11, an LA-2A on a lead vocal because it's supposed to sound good on okay. it. I think that getting the basic concept, I mean, what do we use... What are we using compression for in our mix? That's the the broader concept. I yeah. would okay. Can I take a stab at this one? Yeah, as long I as have, you talk about radio. I no, I don't like. <laughs> I don't even like radio. I don't listen to the radio, anyways. Um, so radio a sucks. lot of times I have people that are moving across my stage and dancing and singing, and 
their mic technique i'm sorry their mic technique is horrible and i have to deal with that like changing dynamic contrast i use a compressor to fix that that that's a philosophy of use that i use for compressors it helps mitigate dynamic overly dynamic parts and that's that's a way that you can use it to fix problems okay i think i think another use for compression is to either make something more aggressive you know you kind of emphasize the attack and the onset um or to do the opposite with it, you know, try to de-emphasize the attack. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, in like rock and metal music, sometimes you'll use a little bit more aggressive compression on vocals to try and bring out the consonants um, to make it feel and sound more aggressive and bring more energy to it. And it helps actually bring it out in the mix. I go acoustic. Yeah, it's true. It yeah. can it can be used to change the character of the sound because, like we talked about last week, you have the harmonic structure of a sound that gives it a timbre or character. But there's also what's called an envelope in uh, and as you look in, in synthesizers, it's ADSR is the envelope, and that's the the envelope of the sound. Sustain, yeah, release. the attack decay, sustain, release, release. and yeah. and the compressor can be used to actually manipulate that, which is what. You're saying, Brian, right? Yeah. The drums, you know, because obviously a snare drum has a very quick attack and then a quick decay and then it sustains a little bit and releases. Um, and if you put a compressor on there, you could totally change how that responds and change the character of you the really, drum. Really, really get that fat snare sound. Yeah, boy, that's that. That was the secret that I was missing. That was the secret sauce. You know how they use Worcestershire sauce, whatever the heck that stupid sauce is, <laughs> and like your again. burger We're, sauce? Oh, what's, Worc- what's sauce? Worcester sauce. Worcestershire. Compression is your Worcestershire, whatever the heck the stupid sauce is in, in your drums. That's that's how you get good drum sound. Anyways, You're the so like, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you can't even say it either. Okay. Um, oh, I'm I'm messing it up on purpose. I could say <laughs> yeah. it right if I wanted to. I, I oh, have I no bet. idea how to say it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think this show has the uh, the time for that. Anyways, we're not doing this. So, like, Um, we have tone shaping, which is a part of compression. We have um, dynamic dynamic control. control. Um, Together on that, and then, gosh, there's like a third usage, main usage, like general usage, right? Well, there's the tone shaping goes a little further beyond just changing the envelope. That's one part of it. The other part is actually um, changing like the EQ response of it. Right. So, and that's a little Which bit is, more advanced of a Yeah, a we won't go into that. Um, Linear phase. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Psychoacoustics. I think, I think that's the other thing that's kind of in between both of those mm-hmm. is, is just that, the, that sound of popular music is that compressed sound. Yeah. And so that is, if you, I mean, if you took, a project and you're like i'm gonna make a pop song but i'm not gonna use any compression it, it is not like gonna sound like a pop song and yeah. there's just no way it's like that's there's a specific sound that compression brings and it's not bad like there's a reason it's popular there's a reason it is enjoyable now the reason it gets a lot of flack over compression and compression gets a lot of flack is because there's a lot of people who may not use it effectively enough or they might overdo it. And it's really easy to overdo it in ways that are kind you of should, pedestrian. You should, you should only like, I, I think one of the um, 
popular things that I saw on the internet was you should only have your gain reduction be like one to two dB. You shouldn't do any more than one to one to two dB of gain reduction on your, when you're using a compressor. And that's just absurd in my mind. <laughs> like you, you shouldn't, you should use a compressor however you feel like you want to use a compressor as long as it sounds good. Yeah. And that's a, you know, all Makes those guidelines. Good. We get that with EQ. We talked about it last with the EQ, yeah. EQ yeah. one. It's like, oh, well, I can't add too much or take too away too much. No, you've got to add or take away to, to what it's, what sounds good. And same thing with compression. If you have to compress, you know, the bejesus out of the... If, if you want to have tw- 20 dB of gain reduction and it's sounding like that's what you need, then that's exactly what you need is 20 exactly. dB of gain reduction. Exactly. And and you'll get that as you play around with it more and play with compressors. Like the the best yeah. way you're going to learn how to use any of these like tools is to use them and to make the mistakes. Like there's not really an easier way to understand compression than just diving in and accepting that you're probably going to over compress a lot before you start to like figure out what the right space is and all those other things. And listening to reference tracks and hearing how they do things in relation to what you're doing. Like if you're doing a metal track, find someone who's doing something similar and listen, compare yours to them and listen to how they're using those things. References are great for that. I I honestly think that one of the best ways to develop your ear to hear compression is to over compress. Take a signal that you like, you record something and then compress the hell out of it. Like limit it, Uh, listen to it, (laughs) Um, we'll listen to it without the compression and then listen to it with the compression and see like how that affects the sound. That that will really, that will really help you develop your ear on compression. Yeah. I mean, it's the same ideas like with EQ, EQ. we talked about like crank it up and and hear the problem and then pull it, pull it back down. It's the same thing. You have to just get a little extreme because it's all about subtleties and you'll find, well, as we discussed, it's like EQ. Oh, it's, it's about being subtle. Compression, it's about being subtle. So, Reverb. You can right. always be aggressive with it, yeah. but then it becomes, you're, you're showing your hand, if you will. And it's like, yeah. it's a game of poker, you know, like. Yeah, it, but it, yeah. it, 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 depend, it depends on like the genre too. Everything's like right. genre specific. Yeah. Like right. in, 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 in jazz, you're, you're probably not going to use really heavy compression. Right. In, subtle, in, subtle compression. Yeah. Yeah. You'll want but to in, use that. Yeah. In like rock, metal, and punk, you are going to, do some some aggressive compression some aggressive aggressive eq with your vocals with basically all of your tracks yeah if you're an edm say goodbye to dynamics they don't exist (laughs) (laughs) and and the only dynamics that exist in edm is side chain and this is gonna burn the side 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 chain chain compressor you're gonna side chain that compressor on everything else they're gonna put everything else in the edm track onto a bus (laughs) and then they're gonna take a compressor and put it on that bus and then they're gonna side chain it to the kick and then say goodbye to every it's not that bad so sometimes it's like bad. this but the side chain yeah. is the only and dynamics. i mean if you look at some edm mixes it's like <laughs> even like popular ones anyways um, except for that and then the breakdown right okay but like there's a lot of different things yes it is genre specific yeah there's a lot of different things with that when it comes to compression and compression gets a lot of the attention rather than limiters, expanders and gates. Expanders can be useful in circumstances where you might have. So like, here's a good example. We're going to say you're reading a book and you're recording somebody who's reading a book for like an audio, you know, for like, um, I'm trying to remember that. Yeah. Like an audio book. Yeah. Whatever. And, and so you're recording them. 
an expander can help where you can set it so that you can minimize the volume of breaths so that you can still hear the breath so it sounds natural, but it's not so over the top. And that's what an expander is used for. And it's very used for things like spoken word and things like that or talking heads. Um, limiters are great. Like in live, I use limiters to prevent people from breaking my system and blowing out their own eardrums when they're running in-ears. That's an important thing. I also use gates. This is another thing. I think gates and compressors are about like compressor, gate, and maybe even both. Gates can be used to shape the sound because how and yeah. how quickly the gate opens it's messing and how with fast that, it closes. That envelope, envelope right? You right. Know? It's the messing with like the release. Yeah. Well, also, also the, and the uh, attack. The attack. Yeah. Well, and like I use it to shape, like if I have a ringy snare, I can either EQ it out or I can run a gate on it. Those are my two options for getting rid of the ring and a snare because I can use that that gate to kind of close off the end so I don't hear so much of that ring. Um, but yeah. so like those are like the different dynamics processors and some general philosophies. Do you guys want to hit any more topics on these things? There's a lot to cover. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, a- I would I wouldn't just want to second mm-hmm. what Brian said about over compressing. And I've said this, you know, teaching classes. I'm like, you should. You you're gonna get you're gonna go through an overcompression stage is what I tell everybody. So get started now. Overcompress like crazy so you can hear what it is. And it's like um you just have to do that. And I can pull up my old mixes for my overcompression stage and they're nastily overcompressed. But then I can I can hear it, you know, and that's what Joe was saying. He had his come to Jesus where He's like, I can hear the compression. I really understand it. The other thing I, I want to add into, yeah. which is a kind of a more advanced concept, um, just to kind of trigger thoughts, is that um, limiting is really what you use to control dynamic range. You know, when things are too loud or too soft, compression is all about tone shaping. So making things more punchy. Um, Messing with the EQ a little bit, like we talked, a more advanced feature, changing the envelope of the sound. Compression is all about that stuff and not as much about controlling dynamics. Um, limiters, more about controlling dynamics. And that's a that's one of those advanced concepts that, you know, like some of the interviews with uh, the seasoned pros will will say have said exactly that. Um, and there's, a little, of the course, crossover. There's There's some compressors like... There is the R compressor by Waves that I really like to use as a dynamics controlling because it really functions more like a a very transparent limiter than a real like tone shaping compressor. And so it's like a really subtle limiter is really what it is. So I love it for that and I use it all the time for that purpose. But it's mainly to control dynamics. There's DSing too, which is a form of side chaining, mm-hmm. which I, I realized as we were talking, I'm like, that's that's something we should mention as a dynamics processor right. is multi, DSing. Like a DSing and a multiband multiband compression. Yeah. Yeah. But DSing all of those kind of come back to those four, you know. To mm-hmm. the compressor well, limiter. You're kind of gear. combining compression with another tool in, in those instances a lot of the time. Like a multiband is really like an EQ and a compressor, like had a child and they threw yeah. that child out on the street and said, fend for yourself. Um, no, I'm kidding. That's, Anyways, that's there's, a th- there's a whole, there are so many. And like, 
I feel like when you cover EQ and compression, you have such a deep sea of things. And I'm going to tell this, if I were to give one tip to any new mix engineers or anything, just dive in. Don't be afraid to let your mixes sound horrible. Like let it get it out of the way. Cause I did that. I've done that many times in my life where I just like, I was afraid to use something cause I didn't fully understand it. Like compression. That's a good example. That's my come to Jesus thing. Like I was afraid to use compression because I didn't want to over compress because I knew it was bad because people told me it was bad, but I didn't understand. Like I didn't hear it. I couldn't comprehend it because I couldn't hear it. And until I over compressed until I just dove in and I said, you know, what? I don't care if it sounds bad. So what I, I want to understand this. It wasn't until I dived in that I really started. And, I, and I'm still kind of probably in that phase where I'm like over compressing things like, but I just kind of accept it. And now, now I understand more so the benefits that it has. So I'm still, I, I know that I'm still in the phase of overcompressing. Sometimes I personally get caught up in the like advanced, more advanced things. Like I was doing a mix last week and it, I was doing, I was trying to like accomplish some things by doing more advanced things. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just gonna use one. It's not sounding good. I'm going to redo this mix, use one EQ and one compressor and just, doing that like made my mix way better mm. and i stopped i didn't over compress with those compressors yeah. before i was i think the other big takeaway is that there's no shortcuts and this is a big concept that gets um, sold and discussed online all the time that oh well this is a shortcut to mixing and stuff and that especially with compression there's no shortcuts where we can say here you've got um put your settings to this and this, like for a, a kick drum, you've got to put this attack and this release and this ratio. You just can't do it. Cause it's like everything else we've talked about. The goal is to get it to sound like you need it to sound or want it to sound. And the tool is going to get you there. And so and then my phone dings. Um, but yeah, that's what with compression, you've got to go through the work to learn how to hear it and to learn how to use it. And it just takes time and experience. And so like, like, like everybody's been saying, go through this over compression phase, you know, like just do it, dive, dive in and uh, you get it. Yeah. Just do don't it. be afraid. Keep it like, keep it simple. Dive in. Don't be afraid. Get your bad mixes out of the way so they can get to the good mixes and just make mix good. Just, just, just mix good. Just make it sound good. Like it doesn't. All that other stuff that they say about techniques and all that it doesn't matter. Mix good. That's it. If it sounds good, it's good. That's like your other yep. mantra, Joe. Don't suck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's simple because it's like it, it can make sense. No, you guys mock me for this all the time. No, we're gonna go into this because you brought it up. Because at the end of the day, music is. There are some things that are objectively true. Okay, whatever. But realistically music is subjective and a lot of the things that like brian and you were talking about are dependent on the genre and the style and all of these other things so yeah mix good is the answer because you can come like people can tell you all kinds of settings and other stuff but at the end of the day if it makes sense and think about this there are genres of music that have not come into existence yet yeah what are they going to do when they mix those things? What are you going to use? You're going to use the stuff that you've heard and the things that you've done to make sense of how to mix in the future when you're dealing with a new genre that's come out. Like the mix and the work that you put into that mix is going to change. So yeah, mix good. Don't suck. Yeah. Just 
do music like don't stress yourself about like these other things because like i do that and and it it prevents me from becoming better and that's why it's my mantra like mix good don't suck keep it simple because it's something that's easy to follow and yeah yeah this has been another episode with audio bros studio bros i'm joe i'm I'm bryant and i messed it up and i messed it up (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning in